Well, hello there and welcome to the County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and on this edition of The Conversation, we're talking with Steve McMurr. He's with the uh, 911 Center in Fairfax County. In fact, he's the 911 Systems Administrator, and that's within the Department of Public Safety Communications. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Fairfax County's 911 Center is uh, largest in Virginia, one of the, I believe, top 10 in the country. So uh, looking forward to an interesting talk about what's going on with 911, as well as something new called the Emergency Health Profile as it relates to Marcus Alerts. So, Steve, thanks for being on the podcast with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolute uh, pleasure to have you here and looking forward, as I said, to the conversation about 911. Is it something that, yeah, I, you know, I've heard of 911, people just kind of take for granted, and then something happens and they're like, oh, who do I call? How do I, you know, what do I do? Well, 911 is a very familiar number. It's probably the most famous number in the world, I think. There's TV shows about it, and children are taught about it at a very young age to call, and it's an instinctive number that people call. And it's a number that's to be used when you have a life or death emergency, mm-hmm. when you need to have assistance and you need something very quick, that's the number you should call. It's not a number that's used for non-emergency, I'm sorry, for situations that are not life-threatening. Mm-hmm. We have another number, non-emergency number for that. But it's a number that if you dial 911, uh, somebody's going to answer. And if you're in a situation where you can't talk, maybe you're having a medical emergency and it's affected your ability to speak or you're trying to hide from someone, if you have a phone, a wireless phone, you can actually text a message to 911 and we can respond to that also. So it's a very familiar number. It's a useful number to have. And there are always, over time, more and more capabilities are being made available through that service. Right, right. Well, we're going to talk, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, about a new capability or uh, service, if you will. But I want to talk a little bit more about 911 broadly before we get there. Fairfax County's 911, which is the Department of Public Safety Communications. Talk to me a little bit about that. The, the, the county's 911 center is essentially its own um, department or own agency but it used to be part of the police department, I believe. Talk to me a little bit about that history. Yeah, so um, years ago, it was a part of the police department. Historically, around the country, uh, 911 centers have been closely closely tied into either a sheriff's office or into a police department. But to make it um, fully uh, responsive to all the needs and to ensure that the um, level of training was such that you know we'd provide the best service, the county established a separate agency. So the Department of Public Safety Communications is an agency that is a peer agency to the police department and to the fire department. So those three agencies are the main uh, agencies that provide first responder services. Of course, most emergencies start with some sort of a call to 911, and we work very closely with the police and the fire departments and the sheriff department. But because we're now a separate agency, there's over time there's been more training, more improvement of our protocols, and an ability to um, bring in technology that will 
serve the public in the most efficient way possible. Right. And so that's been that's been around for I actually forgot the actual date that that took place, but it's been around for 15 or 20 years as a separate agency. Yeah, only only date I remember is July 1st, which would be the the start of a new fiscal year. So uh, right. yeah, that uh that yearly anniversary, but interestingly, um I, I when I was looking at some notes and and that type of thing, Fairfax County, even though you think of 911 as being around for forever, the note said Fairfax County adopted 19 uh 911 in 1981. What does that what does that mean? Well, when it was first started in 1968, the, one of the first true 911 calls started in Haleyville, Alabama. But it took a while for the um, providers of tele- telephony service to implement that capability around the United States. So in prior to that, there were just straight regular phone numbers that people called for an emergency so by the process of the telephone company being ready and the county being ready, it was in the early 80s that we actually installed the first, um, with the local providers, the capability that when a person dialed 911, that call would be intercepted and directed directly into an agency that was ready to answer that call in 1981. Wow. So it took it took some time to get all of that uh, capability in place because it's provided. There's a network outside of the county that supports collecting those 911 calls, and that just takes took time to do that. Mm-hmm. And over time, the technology has also adapted and changed. So you're the 911 systems administrator. So I'm assuming you're pretty familiar with with technology and what's happened and maybe what's down the down the road, down the future. You know, perhaps when someone thinks of 911 it's like oh okay that's simple i pick up the phone i call 911 but as you said it it wasn't that easy to start with and now with mobile phones cell phones uh, you know you hear stories about people calling 911 and you know maybe the cell tower they're near is in another 911 center's jurisdiction if you will talk to me a little bit about the technology and uh, maybe the the problems or advances or just kind of what you've seen since since you've been with the Fairfax County Department of Public Safety Communications, in terms of nine one one, it is a it has a, a level of complexity to it that's not apparent from the outside. The call has to start somewhere, and there are many providers of telephone service in the United States, and they have requirements that are mandated by the Federal Communications Commission to collect a call that's made with 911. And as a part of that process, they have to try to provide information about where that call is coming from. So if you're calling from a traditional landline phone or a phone that's connected to the internet, a voice over IP phone or a wireless phone, the information that tells the 911 system where you are is not in one technology. It's not in one system. Mm. And each carrier might have variations in how they provide that information. So when a call comes into a 911 center, it goes through a variety of connection points. Information is passed into the 911 center because it varies by carrier and where you happen to be and the strength of your signal. We sometimes can have good information about where you are, but sometimes the information isn't as accurate as as we might need, and 
in terms of calls transferred from outside of a jurisdiction, sometimes that call that may have started as a 911 call with another jurisdiction and maybe they had good information about where you are when it gets transferred, sometimes depending on the differences between various jurisdictions, all of the information about where you are isn't always provided to us on our computer screens. So we have to make adjustments. That's why we always, when you hear and get a call answered, we're always asking where the emergency is because that's Mm -hmm. just like real estate, location, location, location. We might have information that tells us where you are, but we always ask and want to confirm that we have the correct information. Sometimes we don't know that you're in an apartment building, so we might have information about the building that you're in, but we're going to ask information, and we're going to get information about if it's a house or an apartment, and we're going to get some information about your name and your phone number because, as you know, wireless calls connections sometimes drop just like a little bit in this conversation. I haven't always heard everything you said, and that's what happens in 911. We don't always have a perfect situation, so we get information, we reconfirm information, and we also collect information to call you back so that we know that we're calling and could get back in touch with you if we were disconnected. So you talk about all the information that's... um you know, coming into the 911 call taker that he or she is processing and has to look at. I'm envisioning just, you know, a, a ton of monitors or equipment that they're having to, you know, look at and, and, and deal with as they're on the phone with someone who's, you know, maybe having the worst day of their life. Talk to me, kind of visually outline what a, what a 911 call taker is going through and what they're looking at and kind of what their, their work area may be like. Sure. So a call taker typically has, depending on what their uh, specific function is that particular day, because it might vary a little bit, they usually have five to six screens in front of them. Two of them relate to the incoming call. One would be like an electronic Rolodex. It would have information about which phone number is calling me, and it would have buttons that would allow me to transfer the call to various other jurisdictions if I needed to do that. But it also has associated with it a map. So we've upgraded our technology so that when the call comes in, we get a written description in a, on the screen about where you are. But we also have a map that will show and pinpoint with a pin drop where we believe the caller is on a map. And so it would show that you're standing outside you know, the intersection of two streets or you're standing near the a little square box that would indicate a house if that's where you're calling from. Mm-hmm. So the call taker uh, is listening to you say your address because they've already asked you where you are. But they're also, while you're doing that, they're looking at their screens to see, is what this person telling me, does it match with what's on the screen as a way to confirm that you're where you are? Sometimes people call and they don't know where they are. They're in a shopping center because there's maybe a a child in a car and they just know I'm in whatever the name of the shopping center is. Mm -hmm. Call taker can use the information from that map sometimes to say, you know, are you on Little River Turnpike in this shopping center, whatever the case may be. So they are really focused at the beginning on who's calling, what your number is and where you are. And they have 
a system that often can assist them to verify information when a caller is in an unfamiliar place because you might be calling on an interstate. If you pull over on the side of the road, you don't know what mile marker you're near. If you're out of state, you don't even know what exit number you're near. So the call taker can use the information on two of those screens to indicate where you are. They also then have another set of screens where they enter the information that's specific to this emergency. They've asked some questions. They may be medical questions. They put an event in that says that this is um, a sort of emergency where they're having difficulty breathing. They put the address in and they send that call so that it can be sent out by a person that's working a radio to send out either the fire department or the police department. So they have a phone system set of screens and they have what we call a dispatch set of screens. The term that is typically used in 911 is a CAD computer aided automated computer automated dispatch system. They have three screens typically that allow them to enter that information and collect additional information to do checks on vehicles because sometimes uh, we need to do a run a check on a license plate or something right. about a person that we enter into an information system that can pull criminal history if that's appropriate based on the particular call. Right. So those are the two main systems, and there's five or six screens that'll vary a little bit depending on you know certain circumstances, but those are the main ones that they use. Okay, is that it? Just five or six screens? <laughs> I'm going to reveal my age. It's a uh... A long way from that, um, I forget what it was, a skit or whatever, Lily Tomlin, you know, would be the phone operator sitting there with the patch panel and just, you know, put the the cord in the patch panel. You know, we've come a long way uh, from that with uh, so many screens and so much technology. Exactly. Uh, before we talk about the health profile, what about the cell phone? Uh, has that really been a blessing or kind of a, I don't want to say curse, blessing or a or an issue to to deal with when you're talking about 911? Well, it has definitely helped because we are a mobile society. So the fact that we can receive 911 calls has been around for a number of years, 20 plus years. The ability to find out where you are has improved um, much over the years, but particularly in the last three to four years with some of the newer technologies, we're, we're now able more often to get the location directly from your device. In the beginning, when we had wireless calls, the carriers have a network set of cell towers, and they have a network that does positioning from those cell towers to figure out where you are. That had its flaws. It was better than not any information about where you are, but it wasn't yeah. always accurate. Sometimes it could be off. Yeah. But now we typically can get the location from the device, we can know pretty clearly where you are, whether you're outside or whether you're inside a building, because the technology now can pick up Wi-Fi information that's available um, to us, and that can actually be very, very helpful to us. Right. We still always confirm, but the information and the technology is getting better and better. Well, another thing that we, we wanted to make sure we talked about, kind of the, the, the main reason for our chat today, is something called an emergency health profile. And this is something new that's um, being rolled out with not only in Fairfax County, but I think I understand um, statewide because of uh, uh, some kind of legislative mandate. Can you talk to me a little bit about the emergency health profile and, and what that's going to mean for, for call takers and for residents of Fairfax County? 
Sure. So the emergency health profile is something that Fairfax County is using a technology that's provided to the county, and it's a way that an individual can voluntarily put information into a, um, a web browser page. Um, at, it's at a um, third-party company's website, but it's confidential information. You can voluntarily fill it in. And what it does is it allows you to enter information that you want 911 to know about you when you make a call to 911. So this Profile information is tied to the phone number, your wireless phone number that you have, and it allows you to put in information about your age, medications you're on, contact information, uh, profile information about medical conditions, pre-existing medical conditions that you have, and other relative information. You may, you know, be uh, wheelchair bound, or you may have. Uh, information about family members that you want 911 to know when you make a call to 911. Say, for instance, you might have a child with autism and you want 911 to know about that. There is a profile page that is available to Fairfax County. It does not cost resident anything. It's something that's voluntarily filled out. And you can go to the 911 webpage, fairfaxcounty.gov slash 911, and you'll see down the left side a link that says emergency profile. When you click on that link, there's another link that you'll click to, and you can sign up and create an account. It'll ask for an email address. It'll confirm that you actually have that phone in your hand, and then you can go in and fill in the information. Most of the fields that are in there are free form, so you can put in the specific information that it's asking for, but if there's a field called other relevant information, you can use that information to make brief notes that you want 911 to know about when you make that call. So what happens now, we talked earlier about the systems that call takers have available. What we would do now is we would take a call, we'd see it on our phone system screens, we'd enter the call into our dispatch screens. Now we will check another screen called the emergency profile screen, and we'll look at that profile for that phone number and see, did this person want us to know anything specific about when they call 911? And what the, the telecommunicator can do is they can then add additional information into that CAD system screen, the dispatch system that says this person is uh, has a history of, they've told us voluntarily, they have a history mm -hmm. of bipolar, they're on certain meds, or they have a child with autism, or whatever the information may be in there. So it's a way to give us additional information that you want 911 to know. You can put that in there. It's voluntary. If you decide later on you want to take it out, there's a way at that profile page to delete the information. And you can also do that information on your iPhone. It's always, you have a, in your settings, there's an emergency SOS Hmm. Uh, greetings uh, uh, setting page, and you can go in there and just put information in your iPhone. And if you go to the web browser and just search for uh, information about how to put that in emergency contacts, uh, you can find on the web ways to just put that information in okay. your iPhone or in your Android device. Okay. But the emergencyprofile.org is the landing page where you will eventually create this emergency profile that we find could be very useful in 911. And it was in 
regards to a situation where uh, a young man, Marcus David Peters, was experiencing a, a mental health situation in Richmond. It got out of control. He ended up being um, killed by the police, and the legislation that is now in place is sort of put, putting the 911 and the public safety community in a place where voluntarily you can establish this profile information so that over time public safety and responses can be more aware that when we approach this particular individual, if they made the call to 911, that we need to maybe take additional measures to deal with this because this person has certain mental health or other pre-existing conditions that might uh, slow down the response in terms of um, escalating things. And unfortunately, uh, sometimes these things happen where very serious situations take place and legislation comes out of that to provide help. So it's a statewide um, legislative mandate and there are going to be over time additional mental health or behavioral health call centers set up around the state to deal with some of these issues. And over time, more data that's voluntarily provided within the community will be available to some of those call centers. Well, as you said, it is a voluntary database, um, you know, pre-existing medical conditions, allergies, emergency contacts. But, uh, you know, more importantly for this and and the legislation, it's about those uh, behavioral health issues uh, that uh, folks, again, can voluntarily sign up and uh, put that information. Just go to fairfaxcounty.gov slash 911. You'll see the link for the emergency health profile, as Steve said, on the left-hand navigation bar. You can read a little bit more about it and then click over to create your profile. Steve, in the last uh, minute or two we have left, I know that uh, 911 Center can be uh, a fun place to work, but maybe also, you know, challenging place to work. Uh, but you're always, uh, I think, looking for uh, staff. Are you currently in the hiring mode right now? We are in the hiring mode. And it is uh, an opportunity for people that are looking for something where you want to help people and you're looking for chances for upward mobility and um, things like that that we're hiring. And examples of that are if you look at our 911 director, our 911 director, Roy Oliver, he started as a 911 telecommunicator answering calls. Hmm. And he is now the director of the entire agency. And there are numerous people that are also in various aspects of that agency that started off on the operations floor, answering calls, providing, you know, important levels of service. And over time, they're giving opportunities to grow their skill set and to do other things that round out the entire capability to provide emergency response. So we are hiring. Um, and uh, if you go to that same webpage, fairfaxcounty.gov911, you'll see links there about how to find a way to put your application in. But we're hiring and we do very thorough training and you're given an opportunity to work alongside a very dedicated team of people. And it makes a difference in the community in terms of having uh, people that are interested in providing help and that have the capability and the empathy to be right. available to provide service. Right. Again, that's fairfaxcounty.gov slash 911. You'll find uh, the links to everything we've been talking about today, the uh, careers page, the emergency health profile even some uh, background and history about uh, 911 in Fairfax County. Uh, Again, 911 is the number to call for life-saving 
uh, emergency type situation. If you're in a situation where you can't talk, uh, you can text to 911. And if it's a non-emergency situation, call 703-691-2131. Steve, uh, last 30 seconds, I try to give the guests the final word. Anything I haven't asked you, anything we haven't talked about, anything you just want to reiterate about 911 in Fairfax County? Right. Um, if you didn't hear the non-emergency number, if you're not a life, if it's not a life-threatening situation, you can call 703-691-2131. And uh, there's always something that's going on in 911. There is an effort nationwide at the congressional level to make the 911 telecommunicators considered a part of the true first responder public safety community. Right now, they have been classified historically as clerical. And if you've ever sat in on a 911 call, answering a 911 call is anything other than a clerical job. But that's the way government works sometimes. So there is an effort underway to get 911 telecommunicators the full capabilities and benefits that also go along with first responders. So that's something that's historically been worked on. There's some legislation in Congress called the 911 Saves Act. So that's something that if you have the opportunity to send your comments into your congressional representatives, please do that. The public safety community across the United States really needs that sort of assistance. Right. But that's the main thing. Uh, we're hiring, and uh, if you're looking for an interesting career, come to Fairfax County 911. Well, you you guys and gals are on 24-7, and we always like to, to say that uh, Fairfax County's 911 is the first of the first responders. So, uh, Steve, thanks for being with us on the podcast today. Best of luck with the uh, new emergency health profile and everything going on with 911. That is going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Thanks to uh, Steve for being here with us. Thanks to you for joining us. If you want to get more Fairfax County news, just go to fairfaxcounty.gov news, or you can call 703-Fairfax. That's 703-324-7329, weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. with any questions. The County Conversation is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government.